a reporter was interviewing me and said, you know, are you afraid? Are you, are you worried? Are you scared? And I just, I remember kind of thinking about it and going, no, I'm not. Um, and I think that fear comes from a lack of preparation and readiness. And if you're ready, if you're prepared, if you believe in your own abilities, there's no reason to be afraid. Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. We're excited for you to join us in this conversation that Jim has with Abby Seitz. Abby is originally from the Midwest and grew up playing high school sports. With a love for fitness, language, and travel, she found military service to be a natural fit. She has been an active duty Marine for 10 years and lives in Southern California with her husband and son. She speaks three languages and is currently pursuing a bachelor's degree in psychology. Now, before you get caught up in this awesome conversation, please make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you never have to worry about missing an episode. Thank you, and we're glad you're here. Disclaimer. Okay. Um, so I am, a, I am an active duty member of the United States Marine Corps, but um, everything expressed in this interview, in this podcast, is my own opinion. Um, I do not speak on behalf of the Marine Corps, the Department of the Navy, the Department of Defense, or the United States government uh, in any way. These are just my own personal observations, feelings, and thoughts. Well, I appreciate the disclaimer, and I'm eager to learn more about your observations, feelings, and thoughts. So to get into it, can you give us a brief bio for those who might not be familiar with you yet? Yeah. Um, so my name is Abby. Um, professionally, I'm known as Staff Sergeant Seitz. Um, I am, I've been in the Marine Corps for about 10 years. Uh, before that, I was from the Midwest, very small town upbringing, um, never really gave a lot of consideration to military service. Uh, my brother joined the Army when I was a junior in high school, so that was kind of my first exposure. Um, but it didn't, I didn't end up joining until I was 25 years old. So I went through a little bit of life before I came into the military. And um, since then, I mean, I have found, I have found a home in the Marine Corps. Um, and, you know, no family is perfect, but uh, I've always said that the day that I wake up and I don't want to put on my uniform, that's the day that I get out and it hasn't happened yet. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, personally, I am, I'm married. I have a little baby boy. Um, he's five months old. So that is a whole new <laughs> level of life, um, having a newborn, but, uh, we are, we are figuring it out. My husband and I together, um, he's active duty as well. So, um, between the two of us, we're, we're getting it done. And both of us have big aspirations for life in the military. So that's kind of our focus, both on and off duty. I love that. Well, can we jump right into that? What are these big aspirations? Yeah. I'm intrigued. Uh, <laughs> um, so there are, uh, it's, it's a half joke, half serious. Um, the two senior positions in the Marine Corps, the senior position for officers is the commandant of the Marine Corps. And that is the head honcho. Uh, in terms of the Marine Corps. And then um, there's the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, that is the senior enlisted position. Um, and the Sergeant Major advises the Commandant. Um, so the two of those together, those are the senior positions and we are both vying for those positions. <laughs> um, it'll be about 20 years down the road from, from now, but we're both kind of moving in that direction. And uh, I, just based on career timelines, I would get to Sergeant Major before he got to Commandant. Um, and so I always joke and I tell him like, don't worry, I'll put in a good word for you. <laughs> I love that. Well, I, hey, I hope you get there. The, um, what does that look like? How do you position yourself? I know uh, I want to hear a little bit about your, about your service in general, but I also, I'm so intrigued. And one of the reasons I was so excited to reach out was uh, you feel like you have a natural educator in you as well it seems. So what does your service look like? And, and, and what is the education side of your service look like? Yeah, I, um, I do, you know, I love teaching and I don't know where it came from, but it's something that I've just kind of always been drawn to, you know, people say, Oh, the number one fear is public speaking. And I'm like, what, how, how yeah. could you be afraid of this? This is so fun. Um, there, yeah, there are, I know there are sharks in the world. <laughs> That's what I, was, I don't put a toe in the ocean. 
there because of sharks, but I will get up and I will public speak all day long. That's right. Um, and, uh, and, and just getting to, um, kind of light those, those fires in people, you know, if something that I say and something that I, um, teach or, or something that comes across in my speaking, if that, you know, sets off a spark in somebody, it's so fulfilling to just kind of see their eyes light up and, oh, I never thought about that, you know, and then, and then they just run with it, you know, that's fun. But, um, so yeah, my, my day-to-day service, so I work in intelligence, um, and so a lot of my time is spent behind computers and in front of PowerPoint presentations. So um, there's a we call it briefing um, when you when you give that sort of instruction. So I do a lot of briefing, mm-hmm. um, but then also just kind of uh, side projects of mine. Um, I really enjoy instructing uh, n- new Marines, people who are new to the service, because. It can be such a transition to come from being a civilian to being a service member. And if there's not somebody there to kind of smooth that transition, it can be very rough. Um, and if you know you get off on the wrong foot, it's hard to recover on your own. So um, I, I really have a passion for assisting people who are new to the service in helping them understand like, okay, this is how I navigate career choices. This is how I navigate my personal life. This is how I integrate my family into my service um, and just helping them get through that process with as little distress as possible. What? Okay, so what an important thing to say. I didn't think we were gonna get to that idea so quickly, but let me, let me pull up this quote that I just came across. Um, that is, I just think it's so interesting that, you know, we're talking about, we're talking to a Marine here today and you're talking about uh, just kind of getting through life, which is almost this, uh, like a, such a forgotten truth. In fact, man, I'm going to go big fast, but can I read you a quote? <laughs> yeah, go for it. I came, it's by a guy named Raymond Carver. Um, and, and part of the spirit of this quote is exactly what you were just saying, which is navigating the challenges of life. He said, Life and death matters, yes. And the question of how to behave in this world, how to go in the face of everything. Time is short and the water is rising. And that there's a little bit of, of poetry and, and, uh, and imagery going on there. But, but um, you know, so often we find that, that it's just, you know, navigating the day to day. To be a Marine mm-hmm. has a special skill set. But to be, be a Marine and be a mom and be a wife and be just a member of the community and whatever, read books now and then learn to, I mean, (laughs) all these miniature complexities that feed into that. That's interesting that you focus on that when onboarding these new, um, the newly enlisted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of times when there's an organization, whether it be, uh, you know, a high school sports team or, you know, the whole military, there's kind of this idea of some people where it's like, whatever, you'll figure it out. You'll like pick it up on the move, you know? Um, and yeah, there is an element to being adaptable. There is an element to, um, you know, having, having the independence and the initiative in yourself mm-hmm. to, to look around and identify like, you know, what is the culture of this organization? What do other people do? Who can I look to for leadership? Like, you can't just expect your hand to be held sure. every step of the way all the time. There is an, an, an element of independence and an in, initiative to that, but it's also on the organization to help bring those people in correctly. Hmm. Yeah. To, to, to not rely on them to like, eh, whatever, you'll figure it out. You'll pick it up. You'll, you'll, you'll read between the lines. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, sometimes people need to be explicitly told so that hmm. they can pick it up faster. Um, and so like one of the things that I do is once a month, everybody that has come in new to our unit, to my unit, um, I lead a two day course for them. And it is everything from, Hey, here's how to navigate your medical care and your bank accounts and, right. and things like that. Um, all the way up to, you know, I, the commanding officer of the unit comes in and speaks to them for about an hour about here's my priorities as a leader here's our culture. Here's the culture that I want to perpetuate. Here's where I want the unit to be in six months from now, a year from now, you know, and you are going to be a part of moving that forward. 
Um, and so just helping them understand their role in the organization and what the organization expects of them. Um, and so then it's not left to them to kind of flounder around and be like, I don't know, where do I fit in here? Right. Um, it gives them a purpose right off the bat. And did part, first of all, I love that. We have this idea, we call it concept over script. And mm -hmm. I mean, like, like you say, the handholding, like, you know, some people, some people would love a step-by-step -step guide on how to go through their day or through their, their job or through their service. And it's, it just doesn't exist. But understanding mm -hmm. the concept will, will, will help you make more thoughtful decisions across the course of the day. And I love that you said how uh, what I heard was, you know, vision is a part of that higher level concept. So that people understand where this organization is going, what your role in it is, and, and make thoughtful decisions in accordance to it. Um, I wonder, so like I say, I think you just have a natural vibe as educator, but did you experience some maybe pain points along the way in your early goings as a Marine? Is that part of what fuels you or what, what, what were some of the challenges uh, during your first couple of years? Yeah, what I, you know, I, I'm a person that has a lot of the independence and initiative. <laughs> um, so I kind of, you know, I came in and said, hey, I got my goals, you know, get out of my way, I'm accomplishing them. Um, and just kind of drug the organization <laughs> along with me as I did. Um, but what I saw from a lot of my friends was that that kind of aimlessness, the, you know, I don't, I don't know where I should go to be successful. I don't know what's best for me in my career. I don't know where I can have a, a an impact in the organization, you know, and every day they kind of said, you know, I, I don't even know why I was here today. Like, what, what did I do? What did I contribute? Why, why was my presence necessary today? And so I saw them leaving the organization after their four years were up because they said, well, I feel like I could have more purpose somewhere else. I feel like I could make a better impact somewhere else. And I saw talented people leaving. And I just, I, you know, I tried to say, no, 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 you got to stay. You got to stay. Like, you know, the organization needs you. We need people like you. And they're like, well, you're the only one saying that I'm not getting that from the organization as a whole. And so I said, well, then I need to reach people before they leave the service. I need to get them right at the beginning so that they can understand their purpose and spend, you know, the next few years honing it and developing it and growing it rather than getting them as, as they're walking out the door and saying, no, 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 I promise there's a place for you. <laughs> right. That's, I mean, that's brilliant. And, and it's, it seems like, you know, retaining and developing talents is the truth of any team organization, like, or, or should be a priority for any team or organization. Um, do you think, why do you think that's not more of a priority? Do you, do you think maybe an organization gets caught up and just stress and uncertainty of daily life, putting one foot in front of the other and, and almost forgets to do that? Or do, or do they not see it as the same concern? Is this a special insight that you have? Yeah, it's, it can be hard. Um, you know, the higher you go, the more people you're responsible for, the bigger issues you have to look at. Um, yeah. You know, you've got, you've got the teacher in the individual classroom who looks at their, you know, 30 students <laughs> 30 students per hour, but, you know, they look at their 30 students and they can say, wow, you know, this, this student is having a bad day. The district superintendent doesn't know that student's having a bad day, right? So the higher you get, the harder it is to relate to that one individual. But um, in the Marine Corps, we, we focus on small unit leadership. We, we focus on empowering down to the lowest level to take those initiatives and, and, and take those actions. Um, so um, we have what, you know, our non-commissioned officers, those are the small unit leaders. They're responsible for three, four Marines at a time. And then, you know, we have a higher level Sergeant who's responsible for 12, 13, 15 Marines. And then we have, you know, somebody who's in charge of, you know, 40, 50 people. And so it goes up level by level by level. Um, so that the, the responsibility is still handled all the way down to the individual Marine. Um, but it, it has to get moved up and down the levels. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, if somebody looks at it and goes, well, yeah, I'm in charge of these four Marines and my one Marine is having a bad day, but 
nobody cares if I pass it up, you know, they're going to say, uh, suck it up, move on. Um, you have to have that care at every level. What's the, what's the like cadence of communication between levels? I, that's such an interesting idea The communicating up and down the ladder from, from big to small, like, like what are the opportunities to do that? Or, or, or are like, say the small unit leaders, uh, are they tasked with, you know, reaching out as needed or, or what does that communication ladder look like? It's, it's up and down. It goes up and down. It goes both ways. Um, and there's a lot of different opportunities. Um, I won't get into the super detailed <laughs> element, um, but there's, there's opportunities every month to sit down with a small unit leader. Um, once a month, there's a check-in um, where it says, hey, here's how you're doing. Here's where I see your deficiencies. Um, you know, you're doing really great in this part. I'd love to see that you know, brought out further. I'd love to, you know, let's start looking at getting you promoted. Let's focus on this. Um, you know, so once a month, that small unit leader sits down with their individual Marines and gives that guidance. Um, and then that, that kind of happens all the way up the chain. Um, and then as somebody gets more senior, they check in every six months, they check in once a, you know, it, it gets less and less frequent because, well, you, you've been doing this for 10 years. I shouldn't have to sit down with you once a month and tell you how you're doing, you know? Um, but then things also get pushed down. Um, the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, uh, currently, he puts out, um, he puts out a letter about once a quarter of, hey, here's, here's the trends I'm seeing. Here's some things I would like focused on. Um, here's some goals I think we should accomplish as an institution. So there's regular communication uh, up and down saying, you know, hey, here's what's happening with us. And hey, here's what I'd like to see happening in the institution um, all the way up and down. It's really good. And, and sorry to get you in the nitty gritty of, of that kind of stuff. But I'm, I just think there's so much to be learned from it, whether it's whether it's mm -hmm. within, like you say, within, it could be within a business or a school or even on a team. Um, you know, those, those sort of tiers of leadership. And just how mm -hmm. granular you can be, um, I think that's uh, I think it's really powerful. I think there's there's a concept in organizational leadership. It's essentially the the T the T model, and it's it's super obvious. But essentially, you know, you picture the letter T. You can either you know either have massive scope or massive depth, mm -hmm. not at the same time. So you know where through the you know who's looking at the scope, who's looking at the depth. And, you know, there's obviously there, you picture almost like a quadrants of a graph. There's different layers for both. Some people have to be, you know, X wide, X amount of width of scope and that mm -hmm. their depth. Some people have very narrow scope so they can go very deep and detailed with a specific person or, or unit or department or whatever it might be. So um, I think those strategies are really interesting. Yeah. You know, and really just the key is, you know, I mean, the, the design can be implemented anywhere, um, but the key for it to be successful is that you have to have empowerment at all those levels. If I'm a small unit leader, if I'm in charge of my four Marines, but I can't do anything with those Marines, mm. well, I, at that point, it's just, it's just a title. It's just yeah. words on paper. I'm not actually empowered to be a small unit leader. Um, and so you have to have empowerment at every level. And, you know, you were talking before about um, kind of communicating the concept over the script. Um, we, we call that commander's intent. Um, so whoever, whoever is kind of a head honcho puts out their commander's intent. They say, hey, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And then they leave it to the small unit leaders to accomplish that goal. Um, and Everybody may do it a little bit differently, but in in the end, the the commander's intent get, mm. gets accomplished. That's really good. I love that term. I mean, and, and then it does. I would assume that does the the job of empowering, as you say, and you avoid mm -hmm. micromanaging um, in that way. I think that's very cool. All right, I'm going to use that commander's yeah. intent. <laughs> that's really cool. So I was, well, I was just going to give you an example because um, yep. I, I, I did athletics all through high school. Um, and so um, I did track wrestling, cross country, and then just weightlifting in general. So all the hard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of, you know, 
given that uh, setting, you know, let's say you're the coach of a, a athletic team, right? And you say, hey, my commander's intent is that we will have better team cohesion. I really want to make this team a family. I don't want it to just be, you show up to practice, you know, we go to games, events, whatever, um, and then we go home. I really want this to be a family. That's my intent. You may have, um, well, let's go with the track team because that's a really diverse group of people, right? Um, You may have a small unit leader who's in charge of the sprinters. And the sprinter, small unit leader may say, you know what? I really want to bring us together. We're going to go out every Friday and we're, we're all going to get dinner together. Once a week, we're, we're just going to sit around the table. We're going to break bread and we're just going to talk, whether we talk about the sport, whether we talk about our families, doesn't matter. At once a week, we're going to get together for a meal. Whereas the, you know, the, the throwers, whoever's the small unit leader of the throwers might say, oh, okay, we're going to be a family. In my family, it was all about competition. So, you know, we're going to do max reps, you know, once a month and we're going to see who's better and we're going to use that and we're going to we're going to compete internally among ourselves, but we're also going to support each other through that internal competition, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever it looks like, you're going to have more cohesion in the end. Yeah. So the commander's intent is accomplished. I love that. I, it just makes so much sense. It just makes so much good sense because of course, and that's, that's a, that's a great metaphor within sports, the track team, because yeah, the uh, you know, the distance folks or the the pole vaulters or the shot putters, of, of course it would look differently. And I think if you empower, you know, the small group leader commander intent being, you know, the big idea, small group le- leader is empowered. Now, not only do they have this level of creativity, but they can tap into the mindset of their people in a much different way to assume mm-hmm. that, you know, that there's this universal approach to a shot put and a, you know, a 400, like, or an 800, those are, you know, there's different mindsets, there's different training models or just, so I, I just really like that approach. And you're actually, I'm, I'm, I'm making notes here. I don't know if you can tell, <laughs> I'm wondering how I can incorporate this in, in like a point in, in like a weight room setting and appoint small yeah. leaders and say, look, we want to get, you know, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Today's a, a power day. Based on your understanding, I need you to come up with a plan, bring your group together and, and see how that goes. I think that could be really, that could be pretty fun. Um, okay. So I, I have to say this too, because you're in the military, you're a Marine, and you used the word scary before. Uh, we were <laughs> talking about public speaking and sharks, but have you ever, um, you know, you're mostly in intelligence, it sounds like, but have you ever been scared? Like, what are some of the more, uh, frightening or maybe just challenging things that you've had to go through in the last 10 years? Mm, man, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's times I have been afraid. Um, I, I, I have not been in combat, so I, I'm going to make that blanket disclaimer. Um, but, you know, I, I deployed several years ago and before we deployed, there's, it's always like a big hoopla. Um, whenever people deploy, uh, I'll say it's usually a big hoopla. <laughs> um, some people just leave and nobody notices, but, um, for, for my unit, as we were leaving, it, it was one of those big, like public affairs, there was family there, there was reporters there and a reporter was interviewing me and said, you know, are you afraid? Are you, are you worried? Are you scared? And I just, I remember kind of thinking about it and going, no, I'm not. Um, and I think that fear comes from a lack of preparation and readiness. Mm -hmm. And if you're ready, if you're prepared, if you believe in your own abilities, there's no reason to be afraid. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I remember before I would compete in high school, I would be so nervous. I would be so, I I don't know how I'm going to do. I don't know. What if I fail? What if I, what if, you know, what if I just like trip over my own feet and just eat dust on the track, you know? Um, And it's like, I should have just looked at, have I ever done that before? No, I have gone every day after school and I have run this over and over and over and over. And, you know, I would, I would run the event and was I ever like, blown away surprised at my performance nope 
Was I ever shocked at how horrible I did? Nope. I, because I performed exactly how I had performed every single day in track, in right. practice, right. you know? Um, and so, I mean, there's, there's an element of youth to that, but now, you know, a lot of years later, it's like, I, I know my abilities. I'm confident in my abilities. I'm prepared for what I'm about to do. I've trained. Um, I know what to expect of myself. I know what to expect of those around me. Mm -hmm. And uh, now it's just a matter of going out and getting it done. I love that. I, is, you, you remind me of, uh, first of all, the, uh, what we call a prediction malfunction. So th mm -hmm. that you say, you know, you, you imagine your high school self. Uh, you know, the, the brain, the brain is a prediction machine. It's part of what we do. We look, we look in the future, we try to prepare for possible variations and things like that. Um, and, and sometimes we, we overthink it for lack of a better term. We cast the line too far out and we start reeling things in that, that have never happened, uh, never will yeah. happen, but we can't help but live in this hypothetical future. Like, like you say, just like tripping and falling on our faces, even though there's no reason to think that that's a legitimate or a possible outcome or likely at least. Um, so, so it sounds like maybe just with time and, and, and reps and experience that that started to go away. And I love mm -hmm. your response to the reporter because I'm sure you've seen all versions of, of confidence and bravado and, and different things like that being in the service. But um, what it sounded like, I, I, I thought I heard you say, essentially something that we, we call it earned confidence. And, and really the mm -hmm. only true confidence is um, that you prepare, you train. Um, there's, there's a little bit of humility to like the, the, you know, the question mark of, you know, that, that you give over to the randomness of the world to some degree, but you've done the training and you've prepared as well as you can. And man, that's like, that's as confident as, as you can be. And it's not false. Mm -hmm. It's not like, it's not hype or, or anything like that. It's, that's, that's strength in a lot of ways. Is that how you felt? Yeah. 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 It really is. It's just that element of like, I trust my own abilities. So, you know, if at that point, you're only afraid of what your mind is making up, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. If, what if we run into bombs? Like, Oh, okay. That's, there's nothing you can do about that. They're there, right. you know? Um, and at that point it's like, okay, then you fall back on your training Mm -hmm. of what to do if you hit a bomb. Are you trained in what to do if you hit a bomb? Yep. Okay, then. Don't be worried about it. Wow, I'm, I'm writing this downtown. They're down as well. So at that point, you're only afraid of what's in your mind or what you're making up. I, I'm. Yeah, it, you're, you're just making up your own fears. So, yeah. so taking it back to the track example, right? Yeah. If you, let's say you're on a relay. And you're sitting there before a competition. And you're just, oh man, what if, what if I miss the handoff? What if we drop the baton? What, what do we do? Have you trained for what to do if you drop the baton? Yeah. Have you right. trained for what to do if you miss the handoff? Yeah. You know. No. Um, yeah. And you know, a lot of times people. I mean, obviously, you train to not miss the handoff. <laughs> that is the ideal. Right. Right. You train and train and train to get that trust, you know, Hey, I'm going to drift, right. You're going to drift left. I'm going to put my arm back. I'm going to start running. I'm going to hit 70%. I'm going to, you know, you've got this whole plan, but what if you drop the baton? Who's right. in charge of picking it up? Is it the hander or the handy? Right. Right. Like if you train to what if things don't go right, then you can have confidence mm -hmm. in, in what if things go wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so good. That's okay. So I'm going to move this immediately to something okay. which was, which was probably difficult to prepare for, or maybe it wasn't a um, lot of uncertainties in first time parenthood. I would imagine. <laughs> Were you? Yes, you indeed. For that? <laughs> um, oh man, I don't think anybody's ready to have kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I did. I, um, you know, my sister's a doula. She's got three kids of her own. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So she was a huge help. Oh, my gosh. Um, the number of times I would call her in a panic and just be like, what if this happens? She's like, yeah. um, then you do this. Go back to bed. Stop worrying. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I've been so blessed. I have the support of 
uh, my husband and his family, my family, uh, we are just, we are surrounded by love and support. And I have an incredible um, unit that I'm a part of that, um, oh man, from I, just from the highest to the lowest levels, it is incredibly supportive of family. Um, and so I know a lot of people face challenges of, you know, how do I go back to work with the kid? How do I, um, you know, negotiate babysitters and, and doctor's appointments and all this stuff. Um, and I have just the most supportive command. Uh, so it's been, it's been a good transition, but man, it is, <laughs> it is unpredictable. Yeah, I believe it. Um, I, I have to ask about this. What's your sleep like? How has it affected your sleep. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's a big, that's what, a big <laughs> all the time in all sorts of settings. So I have to ask. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it varies, but, uh, currently I sleep in about 45 minute increments over the course of about four hours. So, oh. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. Thank you for being here. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it, incredibly at this point, I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah. Has it gotten easier over time? It has. It has. Um, and uh, man, maternity leave as it currently stands is uh, 12 weeks. So I had I had three months before I had to go back to work. And uh, I know right now the current commandant is trying to push to get that extended to a year. Wow. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of arguments, <laughs> uh, you know, people for it, people against it, um, both have valid points. Um, but the ability to have that time at home to adjust is yeah. so important to a successful return. Um, and so I was able to go back ready and prepared, and I was able to step right back into my role because I had that time to recover and adjust. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I, and I have to say, uh, you brought up something just in, in that statement that reminded me of something that we were talking about before we hit record, um, you know, the, the arguments for and against and how they both had valid claims. Mm-hmm. What, what a thoughtful thing to say. Um, could you touch on this? I don't, I don't want to move too quickly from motherhood because there's another branch of that that I'm very interested in. And I guess we can return to it, but since we've brought it up, do you think that that's common? That, that sort of, that sort of comment. And what I mean by that is there are two positions that don't necessarily align, but the thoughtfulness and the humility and the respect to say each position has its own merit and, and where is the middle ground? Let me just pull the veil off of, of this. We were talking before we got on about, you know, is it possible, you know, that that conversations about complicated ideas in the world today have become somehow more contentious and more disagreeable than they used to? Because um, because it kind of feels like that. And you mm-hmm. had some really interesting thoughts about, um, you know, the, the, the concept in general, but also sort of the why of that. Would you mind sharing those? Yeah, absolutely. So I. You, the ability to see on both sides that both sides have merit and both sides have uh, valid arguments. Um, you know, we've, we've lost that ability. Um, maybe not entirely, but it's, it's, you know, you were, you were saying, maybe I'm just getting older, but it feels like we can't, we can't talk about things anymore. Right. Um, and that, that feeling is correct. And the way I see it is, you know, however many years ago, pre-internet, let's say, um, the, the discussions you had, you discussed these issues with your family, your friends, your coworkers, people that you knew as whole human beings. So you may disagree with your uncle about politics, right? You may have voted for different people in the election and you may have fundamental differences in beliefs. But you know that person as a family member, a father, a member of the community, uh, you know, a coach. You you see them as a whole person, and their opinion that differs from yours. That's just one small element of who they are, and right. so you're able to see them more completely. 
Whereas now you can have an argument with anyone in the world at any time. And the only thing that you know about them is that one opinion that differs from yours. Yeah. And so it, rather than being a whole human being, they're a body reduced to an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and you're fighting against that opinion. You're not, a, you're not fighting against a fellow human being. You're fighting against an opinion. And it, it just becomes, it becomes so singular and so, so divisive. Mm -hmm. And this is why people get, you know, so angry and worked up and um, so vehement about their position is because they don't see that other individual as a whole human being. Um, and so, you know, the, the argument of uh, motherhood and parenthood leave because they're also um it's not just for moms moms dads right. whoever may be that parent um they're looking at extending that leave and you know one side says well this is what's good for the family this is what's good for the child this is what's good for the the mm -hmm. like the family unit right um the health and well-being of that person um whereas the other side is saying well what about the health and well-being of the organization how can we lose an individual for a year you know, how can we continue to function and perform and do our job if somebody is just gone for a year? Yeah. And you go, well, no, those are both fair arguments. And so if you can look at it as, you know, it's not about like, oh, I don't think people should have kids. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, let's, let's make this a little more reasonable. Right. Um, and if you can kind of just see hey, this is just their position. This is what concerns them. This is what's a priority for them. Um, you see them as a whole human being and, and you can say, okay, let's find a middle ground for both of our priorities. Let's find a win-win. I, I mean, it's freaking brilliant. I don't know what else to say. I felt the same way when you said it off. off I, I never thought of it that way. And, and I'll be specific about what I mean by that. Essentially the removal of the human or, or the, uh, the faulty association of one opinion to the human. And, and that's like your whole picture of them. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're describing just makes complete sense. Um, there are people who I love, love, and are wonderful human beings who, if, you know, we're at a family party and you take one comment they make potentially on, on something that you might disagree with, if that were a Twitter post instead of a discussion with, with a relative that you love, the, I mean, all of a sudden, I'm even th myself and that person would be completely divided if that if mm -hmm. we remove those things. So removing the com the complexity of the human from the singular position or the comment that could be well presented or or not um, that that does feel like one of the fundamental flaws. So maybe it's just the way that we deliver and, and engage with information that has changed more than more than anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sense. And, you know, if you find yourself in this position where, you know, you're arguing with somebody and you're like, man, this really feels like we are just button heads on this. Yeah. A good way to, to bring the humanity back to it is just instead of, instead of saying, well, you're wrong, right? Just right. ask what makes you take that position? Yeah. Do you yeah. have some sort of experience in this? Have you had a negative outcome from this kind of decision? You know, where have you see this, seen this be beneficial before? You know, take these questions and, and get the backstory to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you even, so it's, it's the difference, I think, between fighting and, and engaging. Because mm -hmm. fighting against someone and their opinions, you've already taken this like counter view to them. But if you're engaging, in uh, giving yourself space to investigate why they're saying the things that they're saying or behaving the way that they're behaving. You're, I mean, still, I, I think we both recognize that you're not going to agree with everyone on everything all the time, but <laughs> enhanced understanding surely takes you to a better place. At least you're, at least the thing that you're fighting about might change for the better. Um, right. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Can I say something like super provocative? Yeah, sure. Okay, we, uh, I'll decide if we want to cut this later or not. But, you know, one of the most polarizing discussions that, that I experience, um, and, and it's come up recently in the news, is, is reproductive rights and the, con and, mm -hmm. and the question of abortion. 
and I got in a, in a discussion the other day and in the position that I took, and I'm not going political, but was assuming that we're not on the far pole of this discussion in either direction, assuming that you're closer to, you know, some, you know, sensible, thoughtful people who are actually interested. I think the similarities are just in overwhelming because on, on either side of this discussion, isn't it just a concern for human life? And, yeah. and, and the distinction all of a sudden is like, when do we decide life begins uh, ultimately that's the that's the core of the argument uh, but but when i hear people discussing topics like that they get so caught up in the uh in, in tearing down the opposition and these people don't get it and those people don't understand and those people are cruel and those people um and and it feels like there's a lot of stuff that just creates a fog around what's actually going on so Again, if you're willing to engage and not fight, at least at first, at least you can come closer to, to gaining clarity about what it is that you're disagreeing about, which would mm -hmm. feels meaningful. Yeah, I think I see, you know, when, when, when the stakes rise and when there's stress, I would imagine that that becomes harder and harder to do, but also more and more necessary. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's... <laughs> Another way is like, what do we agree on? Totally. Let's, let's, let's go, what do we agree on? And then move out from there. Right. So, you know, we agree that the value of human life is the crux of this argument. We both value human life. We right. just disagree on whose human life we value. <laughs> right. 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 And, and the same could be made for the death penalty. The same could be made for um, poverty, you know, all, all the things that affect a, somebody's ability to live and live well. Mm. The, the same argument gets made. Um, it's just some things are, you know, kind of um, influenced by policy and law. Some things aren't. And, and would you say that part of that, it's so, I think it's so smart that it goes to, it's not just this, it's, it's any of those policies, potentially it's, um, I, I wonder, do you, do you hear people, it really it goes back to this high school track thing. You, it feels like sometimes people argue over this projection of a potential outcome that may never actually come to pass. Does that makes sense. And they're wrestling with these yeah. hypothetical futures, um, which are important. I don't mean to dismiss that. You know, I'm not, I don't mean to dismiss anyone on any side of any discussion, you know, concerns and fears are valid. Um, but emotion, emotion can sometimes be a blunt tool in the sense that it can move you in, in an appropriate direction, but is rarely enough to solve the, the concern or get to the heart of the matter. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd validate the fear, but then ask people to one, you know, to investigate where it's coming from. And yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's really good. I got to send you a book, by the way. I'm making, I, I just took a note on that because um, there was a, uh, the, the former dean of a, a school that I was at, he's, he's now the president of the University of Virginia. He's a really smart guy, Jim Ryan. And he wrote a book. Yeah, it, it started as a commencement speech and, and went on to a book. It was essentially about to uh, how to thoughtfully engage. And that's one of his go-to questions is, look, the world's not getting any less complicated. What mm -hmm. if we start these complication these complicated discussions with with a simple line? Couldn't we agree? Couldn't we agree that? Couldn't we agree if you know? Couldn't we agree that, like you say, that that human life is valuable? Now that's mm -hmm. big and broad and, and maybe too easy a starting point, but at least you've you've arrived on the same ground and and you can continue from there. Um, yeah, that feels. You know, important. there's a um, <laughs> it's funny. There's a sales technique called the three S's. If you want somebody to answer yes to a question, ask them three easy yeses leading up to it. And by the time they've said yes three times, it's a lot harder to say no to that fourth one. Yeah. Right? So if I want you to buy a car um, and I want you to buy this specific car, right? If I say, hey, will you buy this, you know, Honda Civic? And you're like, yeah. no, right? And I say, well, wouldn't you agree it's important to have a reliable vehicle? Wouldn't you agree that gas mileage is, is, you know, better gas mileage is good for the environment, good for your wallet, yeah. all that kind of stuff? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I get you to say yes to all these like obvious, simple things. By the time I go, well, then doesn't it make sense to drive a Honda Civic? 
Hmm. Uh, yeah, right. It's, it's a lot harder for you to go. No. <laughs> right. Right. So if you can um if you can start with, okay, well, can we agree that human life is important? Yes. Mm. Well, can we agree that, you know, and whatever it may be, like just start with some agreements, get on the same page about what you agree about. Um, and then the opposition will be a lot less violent. <laughs> right. That's really good. And, and I'm so glad you brought that up. One of the things that I think makes the Gaddafi Project approach distinct is uh, that we try to marry these ideas of ethics and outcomes, meaning mm-hmm. like, like, yes, we, we are aiming, pointing people in the direction of good, but we also are interested in performance and, and, and you don't, those things don't have to be uh, separate. So like what you just said, whether you're interested in having thoughtful discussions for the, for, to be on the side of the ethical right, or to, you know, to get the result that you want, um, mm-hmm. the, the methods are surprisingly similar. Um you know, treat people a certain way, find common ground. I think that's really, I think that's excellent. All right. So that's going to get me right into, um, I, I want some more lessons from the Marines. Uh, we talked okay. for transferable, transferable skills. So like some things that maybe you've learned in service or prepare, you know, over the last decade or so that have helped you or, or, or been useful to you in other areas of life. Oh my gosh. There's so many, <laughs> there is so many. Um, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll hit some big ones. Um, one is uh, personal accountability really mm-hmm. is just, it's so big. Um, you know, I, I tell people if you, if you're going to come into the Marine Corps experiences will vary. Um, there is no one cookie cutter experience in the military. It depends on, you know, what years you served, where you were stationed, what your job was, who you were stationed with. Um, There is no, there are no two services that are alike. And you you have to understand your role in shaping that experience. Um, You know, there's a a phrase of bloom where you're planted and and all that, but Mm. you really have to, to, kind of step back and take a look and an objective, (laughs) an objective, honest, humble look at how much of a role have I played in this? So, you know, you can say, oh man, you know, my supervisor was crap. They were terrible. They made my life miserable every day. What did you do to get promoted so that you could be a supervisor? Yeah. So that either you could move out for, from under their, uh, you know, their rank structure, their, their supervision, or to take that job from them and become the supervisor, right? Did you just show up to work every day, complain, kick some rocks and go home, right? Yeah. Or did you, did you show up and say, you know, hey, you know, look at your team and say, hey, listen, I know this sucks, um, but let's pull together and get this done faster, you know, whatever it may be, um, taking that personal accountability for your actions, for the outcome of your experience, you know, whether it's your position on the team or how much playtime you get or, uh, you know, personal accountability is kind of the foundation of all of it. You have no idea how, what accord that strikes in me. I, I, it, it matters so much. And I think what I've found I believe you'd agree with this is that, man, that sounds tough to some people, especially depending on the, you know, bloom, bloom where you're planted, especially depending on where they're planted. Obviously mm-hmm. there, there are different, you know, there are differences in, in upbringings and situations. And, and, you know, I'm here in Chicago and, and 10 miles in any direction, uh, 20 miles in any direction it could mean a totally different life in terms of the garden that you're planted in. Um, mm-hmm. But the truth is, like, what other what other choice do you have, really? You know, you can you can lament the garden in which you've been planted, or you can, or like you say, or you can bloom. Um, and I would say that even though that sounds really difficult, my experience has been that the people who are willing to acknowledge that, that there's incredible empowerment on the back end. So it's mm-hmm. not only getting the you know the results, getting a better outcome for yourself, but the empowerment through taking account, through owning the results that you ultimately receive, and not lamenting the hand you were dealt is like man, that is uh, that's real empowerment. 
Anyway, sorry. So accountability. I'm trying to learn. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, let me see. I I always say my my drill instructors taught me two things in boot camp. You can accomplish anything in 30 seconds and pick up your feet when you walk. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, people people get a little confused by that. Um, those are literal life lessons in boot camp um, because yeah. if you're familiar with the drill instructor countdown, um, 30 seconds is actually <clears throat> about five. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I can't do it, but they a drill instructor can do a countdown like an auctioneer. It's insane. They're like, you've got 30 seconds to get your boots on. 30, 29, 28, 27, 20, 19, 15, 14, 30, 10, 12, 14. You know, and you're like, those aren't real numbers. <laughs> Um, and you're sitting there like scrambling to get your stuff done. Um, but what that taught me is you overestimate how long things will take. Yeah. You think, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to get this. I have to get that. And you get distractions and you get overwhelmed and you overburden yourself. But if you really focus on what is the task at hand, mm. you can accomplish anything in 30 seconds. Um, you know, and I, the, I kind of bring this out to the civilian side when I'm like, how long does it take you to get up and get ready for work in the morning? How long does it take you to get ready for school? Whatever it is you've got to do. Oh, I get up about an hour early. What happens when your alarm doesn't go off? Oh, I'm out the door in five minutes. Right. So why can't you set your alarm for five minutes every day? Right. Well, it's because you like to take your time with things. You like to add extra tasks into your morning. Mm -hmm. Right. For us girls, do you have to wear makeup to school? No, but you may find it important to allocate, you know, 20 minutes in the morning to put makeup on because that's right. important to you. But when it really comes down to it, the essential things, you can accomplish anything in 30 seconds. If you remove distractions, you remove the extra stuff that's not necessary and you really mm -hmm. focus on the task at hand. Um, and then the other one is pick up your feet when you walk. <laughs> um literally you will trip over things um right. and in boot camp um we we were pretty much indoors by the time the sun went down we really didn't do a lot of things outdoors in the dark um but there was one element of training that was outdoors at night and it was several weeks into the training cycle and leading up to it our drill instructors they would hear our feet shuffling on the floor and they would say pick up your feet pick up your feet when you walk, pick up your feet. Don't shuffle your feet. You will trip over things if you shuffle your feet. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So then we get to this training event where we had to go outside and we had to hike through the woods at night. No flashlights, no light. We had to hike through the woods. If you shuffle and drag your feet, you will trip over rocks and tree roots. You have to pick up your foot and intentionally set it down with every step. Otherwise you're gonna end up flat on your face. And what that taught me was I have to move with intention. Everywhere I go, I have to move with confidence and intention because if I'm shuffling my feet, that means I'm, well, I'm gonna say I'm lazy, <laughs> right? Um, you, you could break that down a lot more, but I'm gonna say if I'm shuffling my feet, I'm lazy. I'm not moving with intention. I'm not moving with speed. I'm not moving with confidence. And so in every step in life, pick up your feet, pick up your feet when you move. I love and, that. Uh, yeah. Those, those are the two things that I learned in, uh, in boot camp. There, there is a third, it's a little more humorous, but, um, it's, it will fit. Um, it's drill what? instructors, it will fit. Okay. <laughs> Um, drill instructors used to have com uh, contests between themselves of the most ridiculous things they could get us to put in our pockets. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and like we had a textbook and uh, one day one of our drill instructors got us to fit a textbook in our pocket. And, you know, she's like, put your textbook in your pocket. And we're just looking around like, what? What are you talking about? There's no way this will fit. And she, she didn't know if it would fit. It was a contest between her and the other drill instructors, but she was telling us with a hundred percent conviction, it will fit. 
put the textbook in your pocket. And we're just sitting there like, this is not going to work. But because of her conviction, we were like, it, it must fit. She yeah. must know, you know? And so we're like cramming this textbook into our pocket. And finally we did, we got it in. And I talked to her after like years later. And I was like, do you remember that? And she's like, oh yeah, I was just as shocked as you guys that it fit. I had no idea. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I, it did, it did kind of teach me that you, you don't really know unless you try. Um, I love it. Can I ask, was there, um, was this a pure effort thing or was this, or, or did people like, were you bending and, and, and removing stitches from the pocket or like, how did, how did oh, you? Oh it? no, no, we were doing it in 30 seconds. <laughs> okay. She's like textbook in your pocket. You've got 30 seconds, 30, 29, 27, 29, 50. <laughs> Wow. Oh no. <laughs> you know? Um, and it was, it was pure effort. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you're a coach and you've got a kid who just doesn't believe they can accomplish something, it just speaks to the power of your own belief and conviction that they can do it. You know, wow. if, if you just remove all doubt from your own mind, um, you know, she didn't know if it would fit. She was like, ah, I'd never fit a textbook in our pocket before. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you just, hey, you can do it. You can do it. I, yeah. it you can do it. Um, it. It just, it transfers over. There's no doubt. You have to, I mean, the Marines in particular, you're doing things that are literally have never been done before. They, mm-hmm. At some point, you've got to have that blind faith, optimism, like, yeah, we're going to freaking get this done, I would think. Yeah. Uh, can I ask this from like a, just for usability, you know, what was, what were the repercussions if, if the textbook did not fit and you don't have to go into <laughs> that, but I'm thinking, again, I'm thinking about how to transfer some of those, those things. Like, was it, was it pretty intense or <laughs> don't share anything you don't feel comfortable with? No, it's fine. Um, this, <laughs> that part probably isn't as much of a teachable moment. Um, <laughs> she would have just called us failures, blamed us for it. And then, and then said, fine, just put it in your backpack. Then Um, (laughs) she would have made us feel like failures Yeah. all while knowing go, wow. Okay. I guess it won't fit. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. But that's, that's part of the uh, break them down and build them back up part of the Marine Corps. Fair enough. Yeah. That's a real thing. The um, okay. Build. So build them back up, build into what? And I'm referring in particular to, we mentioned this, but a, a, a presentation I was hearing you giving about how 92% of Marines are, are male, but, but the Marine Corps education is not about building, building men. It's about mm-hmm. what? I love that idea that you shared. Okay. So yeah, the, the Marine Corps is 92% men. Um, roughly. I mean, it, it fluctuates a little year by year. It's gradually increasing the population of women, um, but it is a huge majority men. Yeah. And a lot of times what happens is when women come into the service or really any male dominated organization, um, the effort and the focus is put on making her into a man. Hmm. And that's not the intent of our organization. The, the purpose of the Marine Corps is not to turn people into men that right. if you know if you look at our mission statement um we we have we have three missions to make marines to win our our nation's battles and return quality citizens to the to the population hmm. so none of that is make women into men <laughs> right. um and so you know we don't we don't train to become men. We train to become Marines. We're, we're not a male dominated organization. We're a war fighting organization. Um, And so, you know, a lot of times people struggle with integration. They struggle with bringing in um, women into a male dominated organization, or um, they struggle with integrating some sort of minority population into a majority population, whatever Mm -hmm. that may be. And, for that, you just have to get down to the, the fundamentals. You have to go back to step one of what is our purpose as an organization? Our purpose is to make Marines win our nation's battles and return quality citizens. So let's just do that, right? Yeah. 
Um, if you're a sports organization, it may be our, our purpose is to, you know, win championships and create quality citizens, um, you know, create good human beings. Okay, then, then nothing else should matter right. in, in that. It's a, it's a really smart idea and it's happening all, all over the place in a variety of, you know, inclusive endeavors. And um, the spirit of what you just said is very powerful, by the way. That, you know, we're, we're not a, we're not trying to make men, we're trying to win wars. It's like, man, mm-hmm. hard, hard to argue with that. And this idea that, that uh, you'd be missed it minimally, you'd be missing out on talent. You know, yeah. we're not scraping the edges of talent from among the American population. Um, if, if we don't encourage all sorts of people to join, it just makes right. sense. Again, and that's another one of those things where it's like, whether you're talking about the ethics of it, or the intended outcomes, the performance, it's, it's good in both directions. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, I see it so much where it's like people have this narrow mindset of what does a Marine look like? What does an athlete look like? What mm-hmm. does, you know, whatever it may be, they have this idea in their head. And if you don't fit that picture, they say, oh, well, you couldn't possibly be this. Yeah. Um, it's like, mm, <laughs> your picture's a little off. <laughs> Yeah. It's a, yeah. The problems with the picture. Exactly. Right. That's exactly right. You're moving in the wrong direction. Um, okay. Well, here's, here's what I'm curious about. Uh, a couple of things, just for the sake of time. First of all, I just want to, I want to thank you for this. Um, for, and for, and when I say this, I mean, everything, not only your service and, and, but, but for joining us today, um, I'm also going to give you just an open invite. Uh, so if you ever want to come back and talk, um, I think, there's just, there's a wealth of understanding. I can tell that we, that we haven't even gotten into. There's just so much to be learned from your experience. And, and I'd say that I, I just really appreciate it. And I think, um, who, uh, so Jansen is, is a member of the good athlete project. Jansen, if you're listening to this, thank you. Um, she wrote an article, um, on Sarah Fuller. Is that name familiar? Sarah Fuller was a, um, a goalie for the Vanderbilt women's soccer team and she yes just you know what i'm saying and was the first female to score points in a in an ncaa and sec game she's a rock star and and um jansen wrote an article for us called um presence creates potential and and for what it's worth i would say that like in in this mission in the way that you share it um like that's you not to put not put you on the spot (laughs) or put too much on your shoulders but like you're crushing it like you are crushing it. Add whatever else you want. Like you, as a mother, as a female, as a whatever, and this male, all of those are relevant and, and inform the context. But you are crushing it, and I think that's going to be empowering um, for for countless others. So we're really excited to share that with with our audience. And um, I'm just I'm just grateful that you're willing to spend some time with us today. Yeah, it's well, it's it is my pleasure. I mean, this is um, this is so fun for me um, and. Uh, you know, I know I've benefited from listening to your podcast. I mean, I, just a few weeks ago, I was literally in tears on my drive to work listening um, to you. And oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot the name of your guest, but um, you guys were talking about the pull-ups. Um, oh, yeah. you know, and, and I don't think it was intentional. I think um, your, your conversation just kept steering back to pull-ups because it was so applicable. Right. Um, but for us in the Marine Corps, um, women, it used to be that we weren't required to do pull-ups. Men were required to do pull-ups, but women were not. And it was this huge division um, between men and women in the force. And it was used as the basis for a lot of arguments, which to me was just a a little bit insane. Um, But then in um, about 2013, they started saying, okay, we're going to transition women over to pull-ups. And it has still been a big issue. There's still this, this mental hangup surrounding women and upper body strength and pull-ups in general. And, you know, I've, I've been working so hard to try and like get people to change their mindset around it. Yeah. And your, your guys's conversation was just so powerful, just talking about getting men, rid of mental barriers and helping people no matter who they are or where they're starting or what their goal is, um, you know, and, and just the power that comes from accomplishing that first pull-up, whether yeah. it's assisted or unassisted or whatever it may be. Um, 
And so I've just, I've benefited from, from the podcast of being able to be on here and I don't know, maybe hopefully somebody gets something out of this. Um, well, you're too kind. I appreciate that. And I do remember that discussion. I, there's no doubt people are going to get plenty out of this. I've gotten a lot out of this. So I, I appreciate it. If you're listening and you have uh, share it with someone who needs it. Cause that, that pull-up thing is so interesting. I, I do, um, you know, the candidate assessments at, at the school that I work with and um, you know, some of our, some of our girls are absolute rock stars. And, and uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned on that podcast or not, but when I took over, when I took over my position at the school that I'm at, I was told uh, not to include pull-ups in, in the girls programs, like girls, you know, because they can't do it. And I, I remember getting, I remember getting so heated about it. I was like, yeah, well, maybe they can't do it because you're not asking them to do it because you're not training them for it. Like, like, of course they can't. And, uh, and I remember it wasn't long after that, that we had a girl, um, who ended up doing like 20 pull-ups, went off to play division one lacrosse at, uh, Colorado. And, you know, it's just anyway, yeah, yeah don't get me too. Uh, I'll, I'll get, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's such a fundamental, I, I think we have to open our eyes and start seeing the world differently. And I think there's a greater public, public consciousness around that. And once again, you're just, you're just a leader in it. So. Um, I appreciate you. If, if someone wants to learn more about you or, or uh, get in touch somehow, like wh- what's the best way? I know you have a, an, uh, an Instagram. Can people reach out to you there or, or what's their best strategy? Yeah, my Instagram is the best place. Um, and so it is, oh man, I'm going to have to spell this. <laughs> um, right. So my, my Instagram handle is Ironsights Marine. And um, that is several puns in one. Um, I, iron sights is what we use to shoot rifles for marksmanship prior to having a, a, like a scope on the rifle, right? So um, if you think of like an old fashioned BB gun, it's got the, the, the post on the front and the V on the back and you line those up. Um, so those were called iron sights. My last name happens to be sights. Um, <laughs> and so uh, it is iron, like I-R-O-N dot sights s-e-i-t-z dot marine um but if you just type in aj sites uh you should pull pull me up as well pop up and we'll definitely put that in um all in all the uh media that we put out there to promote this conversation so um once again thank you and you're awesome and i'm inspired for what it's worth and yeah you're always welcome back i i look forward to continuing the conversation down the road yeah, well, it is my pleasure. And uh, if I say anything uh, on Instagram that you like, just let me know. <laughs> Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them is up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.